Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. So we are so excited this morning as we look at week two um, of our um, Vision 2024. We got derailed last week and Morgan stepped in and preached. Great service, great anointing, great presence of God. Um, I I hope you realize that it's not me that's the catalyst for the Holy Spirit showing up, okay? When the people of God come together and they provide room for him to move, he's going to come where he's made welcome. So we have to understand that, like, you know, based on our hunger, based on our thirst for his presence is often what we can experience in a service, is what we can experience as we gather together. So let us never grow content. Let us never grow to that place of where we feel like we have tasted and seen all of the goodness of God. Because there is continual moments that God wants to reveal himself in new ways. And, and I hope, if anything, it is just stirring that appetite for his presence more and more and more. So... Um, as we look at this week too, just want to let you know that if you missed any of the sermons, if you missed that first week and, and you say, man, how do I catch up? How do I follow up with that? We have a Harvest Time Church podcast. So it's really, really easy. All you do, whatever your listening device is, you say, hey, Alexa, hey, Siri, hey, let me pause in case my phone picks it up. Um, play the Harvest Time Church podcast and bloop, it'll, it'll, it'll go right on. So, you know, I told my dad, you know, he, he's, he's bedridden and he stays at the house. He's like, well, how do I listen to the sermons? I'll just say, hey, play the Harvest Time Church podcast. And he gets to listen to 200 sermons and I walk out of the room. Right, and it'll just keep playing and playing and playing. You can go back as far as your, uh, your uh, heart is content. If you go back to some of my first sermons, maybe give me some grace because I hope I'm getting better than I ever have. And not as that I'm not as worse as I will ever be. Okay, so um, we just we want you to know that that resource is there. That you can go back. You're working. You're out of town. You're sick. Whatever it is, you can stay connected with what we're doing here at Harvest Time. So today we're going to look at our second focus point for the year. La- the week before last, we looked at leading your family. How many of you got that that word down in your spirit? You decided to do something with it. You kind of wrote some things down, some things you wanted to attack, some things you wanted to do. Uh, Remember I said, you know, that's only a good word if we apply the word. If we walk away, if we do something with it, you know, so um, hopefully you did something with that. So this week we're going to shift gears a little bit and we're going to look at serving our community. Now, understand this. Harvest Time Church has always done a phenomenal job serving inside the four walls of the church. But what would happen if we took that same passion, that same heart, that same drive, and we moved it into our communities? Well, that means our neighbors, our friends, our family, all of those. How many of you are longing for your neighbors and your friends and your family to come to church? Most of us are. And how many of you know sometimes they don't want to step into the church? They don't want to come to church, but guess what? They may show up in your home and they may show up in your community and they may get closer to you outside the four walls of the church. So when we talk about serving our community, it's taking the heart of what we do every single week, experiencing the presence and the goodness of God and and, and moving that in our communities, moving that in our homes and then inviting others to come near. So guess what? They may experience the presence of God. That's the whole heart of when we talk about serving our community. And, you know, what, what if we were the per- people, what if that is the plan that God has for bringing salvation to our communities through us? Well, what happens if that's the plan and we don't cooperate with that? 
then we may miss out on what God wants to do in and through that. But if we yield ourselves and we pray and we ask God, Lord, what am I to do? What is my role in serving the community? Now, for us to make a big impact in our community, how many of you know we need mass cooperation? Right? We can make a big impact in the church and it's easy, but in our community, it takes all of us. It takes the majority of us serving our community in an impactful way. You know, I often think um, when you're walking through the grocery store or you're maybe you're walking around your neighborhood, do you ever think... How many of these people don't know Jesus? Right? Or are we just checking our list? Eggs, bacon, lettuce, tomatoes. And we're just going through the motions, but we don't get our eyes on the primary mission. Because we guess what? We got all these secondary missions, all of these things that we are trying to accomplish. You know, they're important, but they're not the most important. Because the things that are most important are going to be the things that are important to God. Well, guess what? You miss something on that shopping list. Guess what? The kingdom is not at stake, okay? If you forget something and you got to go back. But as we pass through the grocery stores, as we go about our day, as we are in our workplace, have you ever asked the question, man, I wonder if they really know Jesus? I wonder how their relationship is at home. I wonder if they experience the peace that I experience. I wonder if they really know what we have experienced and if they have experienced it or not. And we don't want to be just left wondering, but we want to engage those people and kind of create an opportunity, first and foremost, for our presence of God that dwells in us and with us to, for them to experience this. Now, this happens by them getting close to us. You understand you can take the presence of God everywhere you go. Right? This isn't just a Sunday church thing. This isn't just when we show up. It's like, oh, pastor, I feel the presence of God when I show up here. Well, there is a corporate commanded blessing when we gather together that is like no other. But there is also the, the, the presence of God that indwells every single believer that you can release into every place you go. Right? And it's in releasing that that other people experience the peace of God, the presence of God. And hopefully it leads them to ask the question, man, what is it about you that's different? Or hopefully you bring it up. Hey, man, you know what's different? And you start that conversation but each of us, understand this, we were all created for community and connectedness with others. But the Christian, you know, the heart behind serving others is not just to serve, to look good, but it's that others may experience the love of God in an unconditional way. We serve because Jesus served. And as we serve Christ and being his followers, we want to reflect him through what we do or sometimes even what we fail to do. Right? I know sometimes we act right, sometimes we don't act right. How many of you have ever said something to a waitress or hostess you shouldn't have? You got frustrated or, you know, they messed up at the grocery line and they charged you twice for something. And tell you what, you don't say something when they don't charge you for it. Right? You just walk on. But if they, if they get it wrong and, you know, sometimes we're not full of grace. Sometimes we're not kind. Sometimes we're not patient. And all of those things can affect our testimony. It's hard to tell people, hey, love Jesus, look like me. When it don't look like you love Jesus and we don't want them looking like you. Okay? So we have to recognize those things. Are we actually living a life that is reflecting the goodness and grace of God? Um, you know, during worship this morning, I said, Lord, tear down everything in me that doesn't honor you. Change all of those things inside of me that, um, that I can't change. And I want to challenge you this morning, if you would just yield those things to God that you cannot change and you allow the Holy Spirit to come in and do the work, he will begin to heal and restore and he'll do that supernatural surgery in the areas that you can't change and you will walk out looking more like him than you ever have.
It's not about just walking through it and and gritting your teeth and saying, I'm going to be a good Christian. I'm going to be a good Christian. Isn't it better if God changes the core of who you are and you just naturally become a better Christian? Not because I have to or because I'm trying to, but that is the transforming work that God has done in my heart. How many of you know this morning, if there was one thing that God could change, you know what that is right now and you would love for him to change it. Can you lift your hand? Right now, you know what it is, and you say, Lord, so put your hand on your heart just for a minute. Father, you know all of the things, the hidden things, the humiliating things, maybe the things where we fall short or, or the things that maybe you've been working on for a long time. But Father, these things in our life that need to go, we give you permission. Father, we say, take all of the things that are inside. Father, don't just cover them up, but Father, remove those things. Father, help us to identify those things, deal with those things. And Father, by your spirit, we ask that you would remove those things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So believe him to work in that, in that area. We know what we want and we know what we have need of. Let, let's, let's ask God who can change those things, okay? Because if they change from the inside, it'll change the outward action. John 13, 34 through 35. It says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So th- this is the marking point. So when we love one another, this is, the, vi- this is vis- the visible representation of Christ followers. Do we love each other? Do we, do we take care of each other? So this is the marking point that we are the sons and daughters of God. They will know that we, we are his by what we do or by what we fail to do. Right? What are we doing? Are we blessing? Are we serving? Are we taking care of each other? Right? So this year we are adjusting our mission focus of how we do life groups. How many of you have been a part of a life group previously? How many of you have never been part of a life group? Come on, what you waiting for? Okay. All right. So we are changing how we are doing life groups because I feel like God has more than just focusing on ourselves. I understand a lot of times how many of you come to church and you need God to do something in your own life. But there's something about dealing with our own stuff and then helping other people deal with their stuff that helps us grow into what God calls us to be. I'm convinced that if you wait to be perfect, you will never do anything for God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Anybody serving you perfect yet? Man, if I hear yes, Robert, let's take him to the back shed and teach him something, right? It's never about being perfect, but it's about all of us continuing to pursue that which God has called us to. Be righteous as I'm righteous, okay? So to help us better understand this transition from life groups, we're actually changing the name. So it's going to be super hard because every time we change the name of something, it's like I keep saying life groups, but the new name is going to be community groups. Here's the heartbeat. Here's the purpose. Here's the goal. Here's the vision of community groups. So the whole point of community groups is for each of us to target others close to where we live throughout our community. Now, the goal of community groups is not to have a meeting and to get together here in the church. Guess where we want to get together? In our communities, in our homes, in our, in our neighborhoods, in our areas where we want to make that impact. So it's going to be in our communities, and we're going to invite and allow people to be part of these gatherings um, of, of living life as the family of God through community groups. So our goal is to have host homes strategically spread out throughout the communities, and then we can invite our friends and our neighbors to attend. 
So I know there's many, many people that won't step foot in the church, but perhaps they'll step foot in your home. You know, I was thinking about, you know, the, the, one of the most powerful things that maybe they can even experience in community groups isn't necessarily the content or what we do, but can you imagine people beginning to see a well-functioning, godly Christian family modeled? That's not always common and normal in every family. You know, I think we take it for granted. Well, surely every family does this, that kids are well-behaved and, you know, there's this love and respect balance between husbands and wife and they can all sit at the, at the family table and not wring each other's necks. Like, surely this is more normal, but it's not. Sometimes it's not common. So we want to meet in our communities. We can invite our friends, our neighbors near to us to attend. So the heart is that we will no longer just wait for them to come to us, but we will go to them. How many of you had neighbors that you've invited over and over and over? And it's just like, man, they won't come. And, and so you kind of got discouraged. You kind of got frustrated. You're like, do you not care? Like, how many times must I invite you? And, you know, every now and then they'll show up and you're like, praise God. But what if we just quit waiting for them to show up and we invited them into their, our homes? said, hey, we're getting together on Tuesday night and, you know, we're just going to just be encouraging each other and we're just going to, man, talk about some things of how to succeed in life. We're going to have a meal. We'd love for you to come over. Uh, would you be interested in coming? Does that sound real complicated? That sound real hard, right? Now, we got to have a plan once they get there, but the goal is to reach out like we never have. Um, we've been thinking about how this dynamic of community groups is going to work, and for each, of us, it, for each of us, it's different. If I have a real good relationship with my neighbors already, it's pretty easy to invite them. What happens if you live somewhere 15 years and you don't even know your next-door neighbors? A little awkward, right? So for you, maybe baking cookies or doing something, you need to build a bridge of a relationship with them and get to know them. Say, hey, I'm sorry. I've been here like forever. You know, but it's time to get outside the four walls of the church. It's time to go to our communities and impact the world like I believe is in the heart of God. There is no telling to the amount of multiplication in the people that come to know Jesus this year if we allow God to be involved in all we do in reaching our communities. Um, we do have a lot of visitors here on, on our weekend services also. Like, so, I mean, we're accomplishing the goal in, in different ways for the weekend, but during the week, we want to be affecting the community around us in our community. So the ultimate goal is to lead people into a relationship with Jesus. So um, everyone is looking for Jesus. They may just not know it yet. I say that over and over, but I so think that that's in the heart of people. They don't know that that's what they're looking for but let's expedite it and help them find him sooner rather than later. All right, so let's be the people that God uses to reach out to those who have not been reached yet in our community. So let's look at this passage, Matthew 22, 36 through 39. It says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now, a lot of us would like if it just stopped there, but he goes on and in verse 39, he says, the second is like it. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. Now there's such a simplicity to this passage. And if you're like me, often reading the Bible, it seems like there's all these rules, all these commands, like, man, I can't write them all down and I can't remember all of them. So there was this genius idea that God had to speak through Jesus to simplify the equation, to make it easier for us to understand. And this passage in Matthew 22, he simplified us and, and, he, and, he, and he, to us and he gave us guidance and he gave us the life cheat code. 
He said, I'm going I'm to nail it down to two things. If you will do these two things, it will fulfill all of the requirements of the law. How many of you can handle two things? About a hundred and some. I don't know how many laws there were. Somebody needed to, to do some research on that, but it's a lot. So these two areas that we were to focus on is loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, and then loving your neighbor, this is people, as yourself. And now it's, it's sometimes, how many of you get awkward when engaging people sometimes? You don't know what to say. You're like awkward. And, you know, I think the more that we do it, the better we get. Okay. Um, the more we engage people with, with an intentionality and ask God to give you grace, say, Lord, show me what to say. Help me know what to say. Help me not to be awkward around people. Amen. Because he needs each of us being that voice and the spirit of God can help us work out those areas in our life. Um, but in Luke six thirty one, he instructs us do to others as you would have them to do to you. Now, Luke six twenty seven through 38, I'm going to kind of paraphrase some of this. I'm not going to tell you all of it because it's a long passage, but it talks about love for your enemies. God stirs us to a radical kind of love. It's not just loving those who are lovable or those who are worthy of love, but the title of that passage actually says love love your enemies. Okay. But it says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. How many of you naturally want to do that? Oh, that ain't what you're doing. You ain't blessing and praying, you cursing and all kinds of stuff, right? Like that's our initial response. But this radical kind of love for our neighbor or for people, God was really flipping the script and he was changing the expectation to this radical kind of love that was never heard of. Because I tell you, the natural tendency is like, you get what you get, huh? brother, you don't throw a fit, and then you get, you, you deserve what you give me. Rather than reversing and saying, God, I pray you forgive them. I pray you bless them. You know, and like Jesus said, Lord, I pray that you forgive them. They do not understand what they do. The ones that are in opposition to God do not have a transformed heart. We get so mad when the heathen doesn't act like Christians. I'm telling you, well, they should know better. No, they don't know better. Because their heart is far from God. It says we will be known by our fruit and our deeds. When somebody looks a whole lot like the world, we can usually assume they're full of the world. When people look like God, we're, we're assuming and hoping that they're not just going through the motions, but their heart belongs to God. Because it's from the inside that those fruits bear witness. You know, a lot of people say, I'm saved, I'm a Christian. What does your fruit look like? What does that passage go on to say? It says, if someone slaps you on the cheek... Turn to them, to the other one also. If they take your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks. And if they take what belongs to you, do not demand it back. And then there's verse 31 comes in there. Do to others as you would have them do to you. So we get to that verse 31 real quick, but we don't look at it in the passage and realize the cost of actually doing that. Because this is being kind. This is being gracious. This is being loving. This is being forgiving. Not when they deserve it. But when they don't deserve it, when they aren't kind, when they're mean, when they're cruel, like, you know, my mom always told me just avoid the bad people in the world, not engage them and pray for them and love them and give them my coat. And then if they ask for my coat, give them my shirt too. Like you can go get your own coat and your own shirt, right? You know, that's the heart. But God is changing that. Why is God changing this? Why is he challenging us to these things? Uh, and then it goes on to say, if you love those who are lovable, what good is it? If you give and they give back, what good is it? And, you know, encourage you to look at that. Um, judging in verse 37, it says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be con condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. 
right? There's a condition. There's guidance that's given to us. But for us to love like Jesus asks us to love, he has to hold our heart. He has to change us if we're going to respond like he wants us to. So this year, God is challenging each of us to serve our communities right where we are at. We're taking Jesus into the communities. Is anybody with me? Is anybody willing to step up to the challenge? Say, Pastor, if you show up with me at my house, I'll do it with you. Because this is kind of scary. This is kind of terrifying. Say, man, I didn't sign up to be a missionary to my community. But guess what? God wants you to be a missionary to your community because where you live and where you've decided to buy your house, God has a plan and a purpose for you there. If you don't like your neighbors and you don't want to reach out to your neighbors, move somewhere else and then minister there. Okay? But, you know, we get so frustrated. How many of you ever called the police on your neighbors, but are we praying for our neighbors? Right? Man, we've done some praying and we've seen some amazing things happen with our neighbors around us. It's like, Lord, you better move them or change them or do something. But we begin to pray. Like you are there on purpose. God has a plan for you to reach out like you have no understanding of. Let's have God's perspective because I guarantee he cares about the people north, south, and east, and west of you. Right? Aren't you glad that somebody cared about you and invited you to church or reached out to you or loved you? So why are we changing how we do life groups? I liked what we were doing, Pastor. I enjoyed what we were doing. Remember the word for this year, the word we used was expansion. It means to increase in size or number or importance. As a church, God wants, the church, wants a church that doesn't only focus internally, but he wants a church that focuses externally. This is the best way I know for us to do this. We can celebrate, we can be excited about what God has done among us, but how much more should we be excited when God does things among us in our communities? Now understand this, Jesus didn't just come to those who were well, but he says, I'm coming to those who were sick, you know, and he, he went to those who were wanderers and those who were far off. Jesus' ministry was focused not just in the four walls of the church, but outside the four walls of the church. You know, he spent more time outside the four walls than inside the four walls. What in the world are we gathering here for? We just be like, man, great service. Let's show up next weekend and do it all over again. The goal is to come together, to get pumped up, to get encouraged, to go out and make a difference in the world. You understand the time is short before Jesus comes back. You have the greatest secret ever to, to help people avoid hell and come into the greatest relationship than they've ever experienced. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. I got people going through hard things. Guess what? Jesus is the answer. How many of you know we're going through hard things? The only reason we can survive it or, or live through it is because Jesus is on our side. Amen. He's encouraging us. He's the, he's the God of all hope. He's the God of all peace. He's the God of all understanding. And all of these things, the world needs it. And we have it. You'll keep it jingling in your pocket. Like, I'm not going to tell you what I got. Just keep on walking. Right? We want others to experience the goodness that we have found. That all may know what Jesus has done. Luke 5, 31 through 32, it says, Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need doc a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. When we ask God for his heart, we begin to love what he loves and hate what he hates. We begin to see people through the perspective of how God sees them, not through my own perspective. And I believe that as we ask God to give us his heart, 
Man, there'll begin to be an urgency and a passion and a desire for those things that maybe we never cared about. Ladies and gentlemen, I think sometimes it comes down to being so stinking selfish. How many selfish prayers do we pray every week? Lord, I pray you bless me and my kids and my family and my job and my money. And When is the last time we redirected those prayers and prayed about kingdom-minded things? Because if I lose all that, I still make it to heaven, ladies and gentlemen. I have found the ultimate victory in life. Now, is it better to be blessed and have all those things? Absolutely. But the kingdom perspective focuses on not what has been found, but what is lost. And God wants us to help with those things. He wants us to be intentional with those things. But if we gather together and we, we, we fall madly in love with people because God's heart is for people, we can begin to reach out. Understand this, that God is madly in love with people and guess what? Our community is full of them. Full of them. So let's make it our mission this year to see the family of God expanded Okay, so we're going to look at the model from the original church, Acts 2, 42 through 47. So this is the early church, oh, and, and I'm just going to read it quickly, and then I'm going to jump into this content because I don't want to take up too much time. But we're going to take the, the content, and we're going to look at four action items to successfully serve our community. But in, in Acts 2, 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So when we look at this passage, there are really, there, there's evidence of two different areas. There's the early church, the, the two things that the church really cared about. They cared about the relationship within the church and within their community. They didn't neglect one for the other. Say, ah, oh, weekends don't matter. Let's just hang out and meet every day. And they didn't just say, hey, let's meet every day. But there was a balance between the temple courts and the home on a daily basis, okay? So there's four action items to be, to, to be successful in serving your community. And I'm going to break, give you the first two are going to focus on the corporate gathering. The second two are going to focus on our community gathering because both are important. But I don't want to just neglect one and say, oh, well, I'm not coming to church this weekend because I, ha I had my community group, so I'm good, Pastor. No. <laughs> the point is to come together also because there's something empowering when we see the big picture of all of us being in the room. You know, that was one of the challenges of going to this two-service thing. It's that we don't always get to see the big picture of how many people that are being ministered to and how many people we have. You know, if, if we changed it right now and we said, everybody come to one service, you know what? Some of y'all are going to be standing. Parking, good luck. We're going to have to get the four-wheel drive vehicles to pull you out this morning because we're going to get stuck all in the field. But there's something powerful about coming together, seeing the big picture. Because sometimes if we just stay in our community, we feel small. We feel isolated. We realize that, that, that there's not, that, that sometimes we'll look and say, man, there's not very many of us. And we get discouraged. But then we come together and say, whoa, there's a lot of us. How was your week? And we begin to share and we begin to encourage each other. And then we go out, guess what? Strengthened. Not discouraged, but strengthened. So there's an importance of coming on the corporate gatherings, but then also being intentional in the community gatherings. Look at this, look at this first thing. Number one, refuse to stop meeting together. 
Now, we've probably heard this passage preached and people communicate that, but refuse to stop meeting together. So when we get together, we, we serve our community through the corporate gathering. So this is something special that happens when the body of Christ comes together. There is a corporate blessing that happens. I'm convinced of that. When the people of God join together. How many of you have ever showed up not expecting anything and you leave blessed? I think God just blesses it. You know, he, he blesses unity. He, he causes all these things to work together. Psalms 133.1 and then in verse 3 it says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. For it is there the Lord bestows, or the, the, another translation, commands his blessing, even life forevermore. There is a commanded blessing on the corporate gathering. You show up, you're going to benefit from it. You're going to leave feeling pretty good, even if you came in and you just barely got here. Okay, so when, there, when this blessing happens, it causes us to be blessed and encouraged and challenged. What does it say? It says they devoted themselves. Okay, now I know a lot of people expect a lot of pastoral leadership in a lot of this church, but understand they devoted themselves. What does this mean? The pastor didn't have to chase them down. They were waiting here before I got here. They are waiting to get him, man. I'm here early, I'm waiting in the parking lot. Pastor, what took you so long? I'm so ready to experience this. They devoted themselves. Now, I know a lot of times it's challenging and, you know, feel like we're chasing church people down and members and all of those things. But ultimately, for you to reap the benefits of the corporate gathering, you have to devote yourself to it. Right? Did you ever benefit from going to the gym if you don't go? Well, I meant to. You're going to benefit from it unless you show up. But you have to devote yourself. I can't go pick you up and drag you to church every weekend. Our elders can't track you down every single week. There has to be a level of devotion from yourself to commit to the corporate gathering. Make up your mind to get here, preferably before something hits the fan, if you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you'll get up in the morning and all kinds of crazy going on. You're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't go to the church. Sounds like the voice of the devil. But nonetheless, we listen to that voice and we change our plans and we miss what it is that God wanted to do. So devote yourself. Make sure that you are putting in the work to show up. So it says the unity that they were experiencing was dependent on each person fighting to keep that unity intact. So they devoted themselves to four things if we break this passage down. Number one, the apostles' teaching. So what does that mean? Learning stuff. They, could, they devoted themselves to learn new things. How many of you know it's good to learn new things? Right? If you think you figured it all out, I'm going to let you preach next Sunday, right? We're never going to figure it out. You know how many things I learned from teaching? It's like, oh man, I ain't going to tell them I didn't know that, but I'm going to apply that. Right? We have to keep learning new stuff. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Number two, to fellowship. What does that mean? Spending time together, hanging out, talking about what? Whatever you want to talk about, being connected. They devoted themselves to communion. So this is, the, this is a powerful thing we do at the first Sunday of every month. But this is the unification of the saints, right? It's when we come together and we celebrate together those of like-minded faith. Communion is, is a gift to God for all of us, for all believers. And then prayer. Now understand this. We're going to get a chance to activate that unified prayer this week. So tomorrow we start our seven-day fasting and praying. Who's ready? Who's kind of wrapping their mind around it? <laughs> Man, everything fasting is easy. Come on, baby. You need some Jesus to help you through it. But um, this next week, we're going to join every single night here at the church, and we're going to pray from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. Um, but we're going to join together. We're going to be intentional with our prayer focus. But um, they devoted themselves to prayer, right? That was something they devoted themselves to. So action item number one for that first point is remain faithful to corporate gatherings. 
Can you say that? Say, remain faithful to corporate gatherings. You got that, right? Can't say nobody ever didn't tell you that, okay? So keep showing up. See if God won't do something great in and through these gatherings. Number two, remember the miracles, okay? This is super powerful. You know, know that God has done something in your life, and, 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 and through these gatherings, expect God to continually do miracles, like we've seen miracles in our life. If your heart of stone turned into a heart of flesh and God got a hold of you on your way to hell, that is a miracle. Because how many of you know <laughs> we weren't deserving of all of these things? Amen. We were headed in the wrong direction and all of a sudden God just got our attention and changed where we were going and set us on a new course. But these, it says signs and wonders. These signs and wonders followed his presence. His, his, and, and this happened because his people made room for him to work. Right? If we just want to say, okay, here's our plan, here's our agenda, we're not going to leave any room for God to do anything, then I think he's going to be limited in what we can do. But they made room, they had time, they committed that time to experience his goodness. John 4, 48, it said, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe. Now this passage really, really got my attention, but... This passage was communicated when he went back to Cana in Galilee where Jesus first turned the water into wine. First time it ever happened. So if you go back to, this, to the place where the first miracle happened, you know what happens when you show back up? You know what you're looking for? You're not looking for Jesus. You're looking for the miracle. But thank God that God uses miracles to turn the wayward heart back to him. Because that passage says that some will come to faith without the miracle, but some will need that miracle evidence of God's power to turn their heart of stone into a heart of flesh. So what do we do as a church? We ask for the signs and the wonders and the miracles, not necessarily just for me, even though, thank God, when it blesses me and it changes me and it heals me and it restores me, but more so that the kingdom of God may be advanced. Because when the motive is that others might know God... All of a sudden, you see the Holy Spirit do some crazy things to get their attention. And it changes the situation. I'm convinced, ladies and gentlemen, that we will see more miracles outside the four walls of the church than inside the four walls of the church if we will trust God to prove himself strong. And when the world asks, prove to me that he is real. And there's a miracle that presents itself that they cannot understand and they cannot clarify by any scientific terms. They're going to be led to a place of have to apply faith in something that they don't understand. And hopefully that leads them to the cross and that leads them to Jesus. Some don't need a miracle, but guess what? Some do. So ask God to release his authority and his power to you so that others may come to know him. So action item number two, ask God to see signs and wonders. Can you say it? Say, ask God to see signs and wonders. When's the last time you asked God to show you some miracles, do some miracles around you so that people might know? I know deep down we're all secretly waiting for it. <laughs> right? Like, man, I want to see something. That'd be cool, man. I show up and we're waiting, but when's the last time we ask? So, so action item number two, ask God to see signs and wonders. Action item number one, remain faithful to corporate gatherings. So those are the two focuses of the corporate gathering. Let's, let's shift gears just a little bit. The community gathering. It says they were together and had everything in common. So when they were together, they realized they were all dealing with the same stuff and together they could live their best lives. Right? How many of you know when you have somebody going through junk with you, it just a little, makes it a little bit easier to get through it? doesn't always change it, but it makes it maintainable and it make, helps you get through it. So living your best life is found in the community of believers doing what it is that God has asked you to do. 
Now, in this community group, God has asked us to go and make disciples of all nations. You understand, that was the mission. That was the last thing Jesus said. How many of you know we ask a whole lot of questions, but we don't maybe focus enough on what is discipleship? What does it mean to make a disciple? Am I a disciple? Am I discipling others? Like, this is kind of like a word that's like, well, we know you said it. We think we're supposed to do it, but are we doing it? Okay. So they daily connected by gathering in the temple courts and they had communion in their homes and meals in their homes. Right? This is where the close knitness, this is where the people really saw who you were. How many of you know you can show up this morning, you can look good, you can act good, you can look like your life is all together. But if I go to your house, where is the structure? Where are your children? Like, you know, like you look at all the, the chaoticness of life. How many of you know you step foot in your home and all of a sudden you see the real raw of you? You know, the discipline or the lack of? Right? My joke is you show up at my house and you don't warn me, it's going to look lived in. Hopefully the main room is good, but them kids' room, oh, Lord Jesus, every Friday, you ain't doing nothing till you clean them room, right? Every single week. <sighs> As the merry-go-go goes around every Friday. But um, this daily connection, it produced, what did it produce? Glad and sincere hearts among them. Um, it was a blessing. It wasn't a burden. I hear many people, man, it's just so much work to have people over. Well, change how you're doing it. Or don't host, just attend somebody else that loves to host. And we're going we're gonna to give you an opportunity at the end of this service to sign up to lead a community group or to host a community group. If you hate hosting, please don't host. I'm just telling you. Like, if you got a whole bunch of kids and you got a whole lot of crazy in your house, your house may not be the best to host. You know, Gabe just purchased a house in my neighborhood, in my community, right next to me. I was like, that dude ain't got no kids. We're going to crash Gabe's house. <laughs> and Robert said, bring chairs because he ain't got no furniture, right? But... Um, that we look at that, but if you don't want to host, don't host. But there are people who are built to host that love hosting. Said, man, I'm going to get it already. They got the candles. They got the chairs. They got it. They walk in, looks like a model home. So, you know, you got somebody that likes to host, right? Or they were stressed out all week getting ready for that day. But nonetheless, if you love hosting host, if you want to lead a community group and you're passionate about reaching your community, we need you being a leader of a community group. But what happened? They gathered together. It was a blessing. It wasn't a burden. If we really do community groups like it's in the heart of God, we can't wait for community group. Not like, oh, man. How many of you know there's things that we loathe doing, but the community group should be something that we can't wait to do again? If we're doing them right. If it's a burden, why in the world is it a burden? Change what you're doing. Make it a blessing, not a burden. Okay? Simplify what you're doing. I don't know. So, um, but when was the last time you shared a meal with a church family member in your home? Question mark. I'm going to just give that to you just for a minute because we want to test, are we building, building the community of God or the, the kingdom of God in our community? Number two, you know, when was the last time you took communion in your home as the extended body of Christ? Pastor, we can do that? Absolutely. And I will furnish all the communion uh, cups that you want to do that. Okay? Just let me know how many you need and just don't sabotage it right before communion Sunday and then we'll have a conversation. I took all of them, Pastor. Bad idea, okay? But when have we done that? So um, praise God for what he, where he's taken you, what he's done, and the goal is to help lead others into a relationship with Jesus by allowing them into your family, okay? Um, this passage, they also provided for one another. Um, they didn't just focus on taking care of themselves, but they focused on and took care of the interest of caring for others. So action item number three, uh, live your life to serve others, not yourself. 
Say that one more time. Live your life to serve others, not yourself. You got to get this inside of you, okay? It's not about you. How many of you know all of a sudden the flesh said, it's about me. But the Spirit of God cries out and said, it's not about you. Right? All right. Secondly, community groups. They daily believed God to save those who needed saving. So when we look at that, that, you know, understand that this passage, the key to this last part is paying attention to the word daily, 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 daily. It kept coming. It says daily implies that this was part of their everyday life, not just a weekend ritual, right? When you say daily, that's like every day. That's not like occasionally, that's not like once a week. Um, But it says the favor of God was experienced by all the people and also extended to those who, would, who were coming to believe. Do you understand that people can see the favor of God in your life? They don't understand what in the world's going on. Because like if they know what you do and they see the favor and they see the goodness of God, they'll scratch their heads. How is it that I make three times as much as you and I just am not living the good life, right? There's something more offered that money cannot buy. And that's the favor of God. That's the relationship with the Lord. So when they ask you why you have this favor, point them to Jesus. Acts 5, 42, it says, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Where you're going to get, you're going to get preached to here about the gospel and the love of Jesus and the cross and all of those things. But can we move that from home to home in our communities? For others to come to the knowledge of Jesus, somebody has to tell them about him. So share your story about what God has done and is doing in your life, and others will want to have what you have. This is how you help lead them to Jesus. You know, I have a lot of people, you know, I've heard them say, I mean, I don't don't try to be too hard on them, but man, I led so-and-so to the Lord. I said, you sure you led them? I'm sure the Holy Spirit had a little bit of work in that. But we helped lead them into that way, right? through our participation, but ultimately it is the Father that draws the heart of people. So God does the saving, but it is our responsibility to contribute to disciple-making. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. So we have the Holy Spirit to help us with anything and everything we need to become a disciple and to disciple others, right? How many of you know, if you just follow what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, you will grow as a disciple. When you are striving to disciple others and you have no clue what to do, and you're like, oh, Lord, help me. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you to help you navigate that new convert or that other disciple to become a disciple, God has given us everything we need to be a disciple and to make disciples. Amen? And he would never ask us to do something that we cannot accomplish. Right? He would say, I mean, go make disciples, but I know you can't do it. I know it's too challenging. Right? Do you understand? For us to make disciples, it requires all of us to do what God has called us to do. What God has asked me to do. Can you point to yourself? What has God asked me to do? Right? I shouldn't be the only disciple maker. Robert, Don, James, elders, the elders should not be the only disciple makers in the church. But if you are a disciple, I believe that you will be marked by one who disciples others. Oh, I'm a disciple. Well, who are you discipling? Nobody. Break down in the formula because I believe a true disciple will disciple others. Okay? But the command is 
go make disciples. Go make disciples. But it is God's responsibility to turn the heart of the sinner to him. So action item number four, trust God to do the saving. So let's, let's recap those real quick and we're gonna wrap up. Action item number one, be faithful to corporate gatherings. What does that mean? Keep showing up. What if I don't want to? What if I'm tired? What if I work too hard? What if I had too much fun this weekend? But having so much fun on the weekend, show up on Sundays, okay? If you're tired, come to the 11 o'clock service, right? Sleep in. But nonetheless, be faithful to corporate gatherings. Number two, ask God that you would see signs and wonders. This is not just a passive approach. This is really asking God to see amazing things this semester and this year. God, I don't want to talk about miracles. I just don't want to read them on the page. I want to see them and experience them. But Lord, the heart is that your kingdom might be advanced. Tell you what, people that don't know, it'll stir up faith, but those who have faith, this is going to solidify their faith. I'm telling you, when you see things like, man, I know God's real. I know that, I know that, I know, okay? Number three, live your life to serve others, not yourself. And number four, trust God to do the saving. Can you stand up with me? How many of you in the room really feel like you need to do a better job focusing in your community and you probably hadn't done what you needed to? I don't want you to leave full of guilt coulda, shoulda, wouldas, but I want you to leave with hopefully an urgency to do something about that. I'm going to do all I can do. Like, and, and I'm telling you, and I'm going to give you the opportunity. So uh, today we have right here to the right and right here to the left, a QR code that will allow you to sign up as a host home or a community group leader. Now understand this. If you want to be a community group leader, we're going to get with you. We're going to train you. We're going to give you some guidelines. You're going to know what in the world these community groups are supposed to be doing. Now, the host home, you may not know. all. It's gonna, you're going to facilitate. You're going to provide a few things for that group to meet. But the community group leaders has to know what we're doing, where we're going, and what it's going to look like. And we're going to spend some time with you to make sure you're successful in doing that. We will partner with you. We'll do whatever we can. But if there is something in your heart that says, man, I want to lead. Man, I don't have a home but, I, but that, that I can facilitate as a host home. But, man, I want to lead in my community. Man, I want to do that. Then I want you to scan this QR code and then I just want you to fill out there's a part for the community group leader and there's a part for a host home. I'm hoping I have so many host homes I don't know what to do and all of you don't get picked. Because just as much as we need community leaders, we need host homes. Now if we get three or four people in our community, well, we're just gonna meet at one of those because the goal is to get our community area around us in that home. But there's also a plan for multiplication because we wanna keep it in a configuration where we can always split and multiply. But for us to continually multiply, you know what? People need to keep stepping up. They need to keep growing. They need to keep doing what it is that we need to be doing to see our communities reached. Amen. So I want to give you that chance. I'm not going to twist your arm. I'm not going to say, hey, you got to do it. But if there's something in you that says, you know what? Pastor, I'm with you. I think I can lead. I think God's given me a passion and a burden for my community and my people. Then do that. If your gift, gift is to host, say, man I, got this, man, I got this big old house. I didn't even know why I needed it. We know why we need it now. You know what? As we build relationship, you know, I believe that we would even be able to meet in host homes, in our friends, in the community's homes. But I think there's going to be a little bit of an extra blessing for those who host. Because when we show up, we're going to leave a blessing behind. So just be obedient to that and... Uh, 
We'll see what God does through that. So what we're going to do, I know we're launching the first full week in February, but that February 7th for all of those hosting and leading, sorry, I'm giving you all this information, um, but we're good, that first full week of life groups, we're not going to just go out in our community and say, oh, we're going to go do it. We are going to meet here that first week and really get a good game plan. And then that second week, we are going to go to our communities. We're going to go to that host home. We're going to go to all of these things. And, and those of you who aren't leading or, not, or you're not um, hosting, go to the Church Center app, and you're going to see where all of these homes are meeting. They're going to be available as we get the host home and the leader set up, where you can pick the group you're going to attend based on where you live, right? So that this year, this semester, we may reach our community in a way that we never have. And people may come to the knowledge of Jesus like they never have. Amen? Anybody for that? I mean, I know it's Father God's heart. Hey, how many of you, you're kind of nervous. You're like, oh, my gosh. Don't lie to me. Some of y'all are nervous. And you're like, I'll go if you go. But guess what? If we're in this together, we can achieve it together. You know we're going to learn all kinds of stuff, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, because it's something new. But I believe God's grace is going to be in it. It's going to be good. Amen? Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. Father, I thank you that you are a kingdom-minded God with kingdom-minded purposes. And Father, I pray that we would be a church that is found doing the Father's business. Not focusing just on ourselves, but focusing on the world around us. Lord, I pray that this year that you would expand our territory and our communities. Father, that every home, every family, every hand that we shake, Father, that there would be a transference of your presence and your goodness in the life of people that don't know you. Father, I pray for great God encounters this semester as we launch these community groups. Father, I pray that they would be all that you call them to be. And Lord, this week as we pray, I pray and we fast and we get together. Father, I pray that you would just stir in our heart an urgency for the things that are in your heart. Father, I pray that we would move into being selfless people. Father, that we would be lovers of God and lovers of others. And Father, we would be good representations of you. I want to invite our prayer team up real quick this morning. Man, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, none of this will make sense. We love people because Jesus loved us. So this morning you say, Pastor, man, my relationship with God isn't right. Or maybe this morning you say, Pastor, my relationship with God is non-existent. But man, there's something as you were talking to me that began to stir on the inside. It is the Spirit of God that taps on your heart and says, if you hear me knocking on your heart today, open up the doors of your heart and I will come in. And it's just the first step. But some of us may need to come back this morning. I definitely want to give you an opportunity to do that. So today, if you don't know Jesus, maybe if you've kind of distanced yourself and it's time for you to come back, hey, it's still January, even though January is almost over, to make the biggest comeback of your life and get your spiritual walk back on track. Jesus wants all of you, and he wants you to collaborate and not just making disciples, but being a disciple. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like to know more about our family, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash HTC Bay City or find us on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.